Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. The following message is part of our series called Different But Same, where we are looking at our created identity, discovering our purpose and our calling. We hope you enjoy this message. Fantastic to see you here on a long weekend. It's a taste of, uh, taste of the hue in this weekend too, isn't it? Yeah, we're heading down into the hue next week. I encourage you to go down this week and taste some of the Huon before they taste what we're going to bring to them next week. I I want you to turn with me to Genesis, the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. And we are in a series focusing on who we are, what we are called to do, and how we can do it with a yes and amen. There is a saying that uh, other people's personalities can either eat away at us like an undetected rust or invigorate us like a fresh coat of paint. Who would kind of agree with that sort of statement? That some people, when we hang around them, it feels like they're they're eating away at the very being of who we are, as where there's others, when you hang around them, it's kind of like looking at this fresh coat of paint. I have no idea which end of a hammer to hold. Yes, that is true. However, I have been painting the outside of my house. It is horrendous. Any painters in the house here? It is a horrendous job. It is literally put the headphones in, turn some music on, try not to spill the paint everywhere and just do the same thing over and over and over again. Doing it is hard work. Doing it is really, really hard work. However, when I stood back and looked at it, I made sure that everybody in my family came and had a look at what I had just done during the day. To be totally honest, I went and knocked on about four neighbours' doors and came them to have a look at what I was doing. Because when you look at, at something that has a fresh coat of paint on it, it invigorates you. Well, invigorated me anyway. It invigorates you. You sort of look at it and it's exciting. But then when you look at something that's a bit of an old rust bucket, you kind of feel a little bit depressed, all right? And that can be the same as what we are when we hang around people, people's different personalities. And today we're going to look at a deeper look in this series uh, that how we can do this thing called life together. How we can do this thing called life together. And we've been uh, hanging around Genesis because uh, ultimately... That is where we read of our Creator moulding us, moulding humanity to be in His image. Head with me though to Genesis 25, and I'm going to get there in a moment. Genesis 25, where we find the, uh, the family account of Abraham's son, Isaac. Genesis 25, it'll come up on the screen. I'm reading from the NIV today. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife, Rebekah, because she was childless. I love this straight away. Isaac goes straight to the point in his conversation with God. So often we desire a breakthrough in in certain areas of our life, yet we don't actually bring it to God. As we're in this situation here, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. What Isaac did is he said, God... 
The same God that knows your thoughts, the same God that knows your struggles, the same God that knows your desires, he actually says to God, God, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to tell you exactly what I need in this situation. I'm going to tell you why I'm struggling. I'm going to tell you why I'm down each morning. I'm going to tell you why these things are making it tough for me. The Lord answered his prayer. Funny that. The Lord answered his prayer and his wife, Rebecca, became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her and she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples, is that the right grammar? And two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment, so they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth. Verse 27, as the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. He was an outdoorsman. But Jacob had a quiet temperament, preferring to stay at home. Verse 28. Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game that Esau brought home. But Rebekah loved Jacob. A little like Timmy, I'm one of three children. I'm the middle of three children in my family. I have a brother who's two years older and a sister who's five or so years younger. Now, mainly because of the closeness of our age, my brother and I were extremely uh, close growing up. We shared a room until my brother was about 16 years old. We played in the same football teams, played in the same tennis teams. We hung with the same group of mates. We went to the same youth group, swam in the same watering holes. We did life together. On a family front, we were parented exactly the same way. Growing up, me and my brother, my, my younger sister came along a little bit later, but me and my brother grew up and we were parented the same way. To the point where I heard my brother swear one day and I saw what happened to him. So I made sure that I never heard my parents, get my parents hear me swearing. We were parented the same way. Our consequences were the same. Our rewards were the same. We ate dinner at the same time. We sat at the table uh, at a night time while my dad would, uh, would bring out the children's Bible and do a devotion with us. We grew up under the same understanding and, and we were pretty tight as a family. Now, although my brother was physically bigger than me and I was physically better looking than him, everybody knew that we were the white boys. We were the white brothers. Going around town, here comes the white brothers. Yet my brother and I have very, very, very different personalities. One of us is very quiet, reserved, very measured in their approach. And the other is totally driven, AAA personality. Don't stop until you conquer the mountain type person. And I really wish my brother was a little bit more reserved like me. So, as you can imagine, with two totally different personalities, our backyard sporting competitions were actual war zones. 
Our dinner table discussions were really meaty because we came from two different understandings of things. My brother would see an issue one way and I would see an issue the other way. We were parented the same. We slept in the same room. We, we, we went to the same movies. We went to the same church. We, we hung with the same people. Yet we would see an issue and my brother would tell the story of the issue in his way and I would tell the story of the issue in my way. What I found strangely reassuring was that despite having these wildly differing personalities, our parents treated us the same. They would listen. They would listen to my brother share his side of the story. They would listen to me share my side of the story and tell me to stop whinging. But our parents treated us the same. And as it related to our family culture and who we were, my parents had the same standards for us. We were physically and characteristically different, but we were very, very much the same. What I found fascinating about this passage is not that from one womb came two different people. Not the fact that Esau loved the outdoors and Jacob preferred to be around the tents and the indoor person. Neither's wrong and neither's right. What I find interesting was verse 28 where it says, Isaac, dad, loved Esau because he enjoyed the outdoors, but Rebekah loved Jacob. The parents were divided in their love for their children. The title of my message this morning is Same, Same, but Different. A number of months ago, we were very kindly provided um, expert services of of a professional consultant who took six of our key team here at church through personality testing. It was a fun morning, I can tell you that. But to give a bit of context, these six people form uh, what we call our church executive team. It's made up of four women and two men. It has an age bracket that spans 14 years. There's two different countries of origin in birth. There was vastly different upbringings and life experiences including our formal education, our work experience, and as it relates to our church background, there were those who were raised in the pews like myself, and there was, on the other end of the spectrum, those where church was never talked about at the dinner table. Church was never part and mentioned as part of their family structure. And as you can see from the screen, can you whack that up there for us? As you can see from the screen, the dots are the six different people. The results are vastly different. There were those who featured prominently in the uh, influencer or up near the dominating style ones, the two dots at the top there. And then there are those who were defined down in the conscientious, the C, down the bottom there. And then there's one that falls into the S or what I call the spreadsheet category. But as you can see with the six of us on here, Our personalities are very, very different. Paul said in his letter to the people of Corinth, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. Some are influencers, some are detailed, some are administrative, some are visionary, some are leaders, some are worshippers, some make 
leaders look great. Some are gifted in doing. Some are gifted in welcoming. Some are pastoral. Some are great communicators. It doesn't say that, but that's what the church body is. But then it goes on to say, but we have all been baptized into the one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. As for our executive leadership team, we are physically different. And we have differing backgrounds. And based on the data points you see up there, we have very, very different personalities. Yet as it relates to our vision, we have one vision, which is to reach people on a journey to, of faith and to bring, build strong followers of Christ. So although we are different physically, although we are, have different personalities, although we do things differently, we stand on the rock that we have one vision, and that is to reach and build in this community. That is to reach people who do not yet know Christ and to build strong disciples. So in the fact that we are different, we are very much same, same. Thanks, Marcus. The story of Jacob and Esau is intriguing in that even after many, many years passed, the inability of their parents to appreciate the difference in their children's personality would eventually lead to generations of deception that would happen through their, their, their bloodline. It's a great story. My prayer for this series has it been, is it been each message is not about me preaching to you, but that as we're doing this series and we're in week three of it now, is that we can use these as engaging, that there is take-home points that you can use, that you can see that might just tick something for you as we walk this journey called faith. The first one is this. I've got a few points this morning. The first one is this. Not one or the other. Not one or the other. There is a story that tells of two porcupines who were caught out in a blizzard in the forest, far, far from home. They knew they needed the warmth of each other, but they knew that whenever they got close to each other, instead of providing warmth, their quills would ultimately prick each other. And so despite needing each other, despite needing the warmth of each other, they ultimately remained apart, both with a gift that the other needed, but unable to share it. In Luke 10, we read this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care my, that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. I have heard this scripture preached on many, many occasions and I've heard it used by people to say that people-orientated personalities will, blame, will assign blame on those who are task-orientated personalities because that's what you've got here. Mary is a people-orientated personality. She's kind of the pastoral one. She's the one who's sitting there and listening and ready to speak when need to be. And then there's a task-orientated Martha. And I've seen this preached and I've seen this in church meetings over many, many years in different places I've been. And it's kind of like two porcupines. 
where they know they need each other in the church, yet when they get close to each other, they stick their quills out and, and spike onto each other. Because the thing is, in a church, we need people-orientated personalities. In a church, we need task-orientated personalities. On a mission field, we need both. In a ministry, we need both. In our friendships, and our connect groups, we actually need both. The point of this that I think people miss, have, it, have the potential to miss is Jesus is not saying that Martha is doing wrong. What he's doing is he's saying, Martha, at this time, you are at the feet of Jesus and you've lost your understanding of why you're doing it. Not what you're doing, but why you're doing it. We are called to love one another, yet at times we don't even like each other. Romans 12.10 says this, Love each other with genuine affection, and take delight in honouring each other. Number two, your personality should touch, but not torch your ministry. I enjoy a little bit of pepper on my food. Pepper is a spice. Pepper is a spice that when used appropriately, brings life to your food. But is terrible if eaten just solely as pepper. One of the most divisive personality traits is our opinions. Plato once said this, opinion is the medium between knowledge and ignorance. It is not that opinions are wrong. It's not that big personalities are wrong. In fact, when Jesus called Simon Peter to follow him, he knew he was calling a man who had a big personality. And Jesus could have balked at the thought of calling up Simon Peter Jesus could have gone along and said, no, I'm not going to that boat because that dude there, Simon Peter, I know has a big personality and he's going to bring it in situations. But see, Jesus didn't see who Simon Peter was. Jesus saw who Simon Peter could become. As part of uh, training for the special operations team in uh, New South Wales, the police used to get hit with capsicum spray or pepper spray. I don't know why they did it, but we used to be on hand to have to wash them down. And uh, the, I'm not talking about the little canisters that, uh, that, that our police carry on their, on their tool kits here. I'm talking about the one litre ones that are like a fire extinguisher. And I'm telling you, when people get hit by the full force of that one litre pepper spray in their face, it hurts and it stings, and it breaks you down. And it's the same as when we have our opinions. When we have our opinions and we hit people with a full force, like a fire extinguisher, it actually can hurt and can burn them. Pepper is designed to spice up things. It's not designed to torture your food. Point three. And I'll get Andrew to come up. Point three. British musician Ron Ayres once said this, that like no other element of society, music has the power to connect and the power to divide. Because ultimately, what one person finds completely delightful, others will find totally detestable. 
for those who have a musical knowledge in them, the piece Andrew played was exactly the same. But the way he played it was completely different. You see, what we can do is that we can look at the same situation, we can hear the same piece of information come into us and we can view it very, very differently. The notes that Andrew played were exactly the same. It's the same part of a piece that was written to the absolute note. Yet we can sit here in a congregation and we can view it very, very differently. There's a very, very challenging scripture found in the New Testament book of Acts. And it says this, After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them and had not continued with them in their work. Verse 39, their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. The point is that even two mighty men of God in Barnabas and in Paul, both doing an incredible ministry, both doing the work of the Lord, but they saw the situation of Mark leaving them on mission one and they viewed it very, very differently. They were both there. They both saw the same person leave. But one saw it as you've let us down and the other saw it as we can work with that. I have seen many Christians who get discouraged and quit serving the Lord as a result of a disagreement with another believer. They have heard the same message preached by the same person. They've seen the same vision, but they receive it very, very differently. And instead of allowing the differences to simply be differences, they end up festering into division. And I'm sure if you ask those people who have the, the disputes many year, years later down the track, what was your disagreement about? Most would find it hard to remember. Apart from the fact that they know at the time that they were right. And in the meantime... Ministry might have suffered. Churches might have suffered. The ability to reach a community and build disciples may have suffered because we heard the same vision, we heard the same ministry, we saw the same thing, but one of us looked at it one way and one looked the other. It's not that differences are wrong. It's when differences create division. Sometimes we have to understand that it's not about the way we receive the information. It's the way we process it. Do you know, Paul and Barnabas were not new to the faith. 
They were not fighting over theological differences. Both men had walked with God for many, many years. Both men were committed to doing the will of God. Yet in this very instant here, in this very situation here, they saw the exact same thing, but they chose to respond very, very differently. What I love about that story though, thinks the team can come. What I love about that story is through the rest of the New Testament, we read that both Barnabas and Paul continued on in their ministry. We read that although they saw a difference in this and it broke them apart in this, that God actually used that to double his, his output. We also read that in, when, when Paul was in jail and writing to the, the people of Corinth, he actually says, he speaks highly of Barnabas. When we have a disagreement with somebody else, do we end up speaking highly about them? We read that Paul said that Barnabas is just like me. He's a brother just like me. These are two people who had a sharp disagreement. When we have a disagreement or when we have a different personality to somebody else, can we choose to speak highly of them? And it may not be in our workplace. It might be in our families. It might be in our friendships. There might be friendships here today that have broken down because you viewed something differently. And you were right. And they were right. In 1 John 4, it says this. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed His love among us in that He sent His one and only Son into the world that we may live through Him. This is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. My last point is this. Focus on what brings glory, not on what tears us apart. It was once said that British Lord Admiral Nelson came up on the deck of the warship one morning during the heat of battle and he found two of his senior officers staring each other down, pointing their finger, quarrelling over what was said to be a minor issue to which he promptly, whir promptly whirled them around pointed out into the sea to the enemy ships across the water and said in a firm voice, gentlemen, there is your enemy. Church, and I speak to the wider church, those who listen to us online, the enemy is out there. 
Yet the enemy will attack us in here. If we let our personalities and differences overtake us. Morella and I are so thankful that we have an incredible church where there is one vision, which is a vision to reach people, to see souls one and to build disciples for Him. Our, our vision is built on the cornerstone, on Christ, the solid rock we stand. And so as we go into Huon Valley, there might be different ways we do things. There might be different people we meet. There might be a different feel in the music sometimes and a different way we will preach. And the place won't look as fancy with big screens and bright lights. And there might be people who come there who have differing opinions to us. And there may be people who are in the community down there who have a different personality to what we bring. But what our job is, church, is to be praying that as a church, we will take the one vision there, which is to reach and build a community in the Huon Valley. Whether we're a Baptist pastor like my friend here somewhere, bless you. Whether we were raised in an Anglican or a brethren, or whether we were unchurched. Revelations 21 said, There is a new heaven and a new earth. There is no walls. There is no division. We will worship together. We have the one vision there. There will be a new place. And I can't wait until together, man and woman, there will be equality. There will be equality between black and white. There will be equality between between whether we're big or small because there is one heaven and we will celebrate together. We will worship together. Why don't you stand on your feet? We're going to worship together this morning in the last few minutes. When a set of twins were born in the fields outside of Canaan, God declared that within one womb, two people would be born. Same pregnancy, same parents, but with differing personalities. Yet God is saying that we can be different, but we are the same. We can have different personalities and we need to embrace those, but we have the same vision. It's often said you can't choose your family. And you also can't choose someone else's personality. But there is one choice that we do get to make. And that's to make the choice to accept Jesus Christ into our life. We have the choice to receive Christ into our life. And I want to encourage you that in this moment, that you don't let it pass. That you take this very moment and in just one minute, If you've never chosen to accept Jesus Christ into your life, or maybe you have, but you've walked away. Maybe today you're in church for the first time in a long time because your life has chosen to go down different ways because maybe you've been offended by church. Maybe you've been offended by what the church did. 
Can I tell you that God is the same yesterday, today and forever? It's not God who changed. It was the church that did different things. So I want to tell you now, in just 30 seconds, you have the opportunity to make a choice. You have an opportunity this morning to choose God. You have an opportunity to say, God, I receive you into my life. No longer do I want to walk by myself. No longer do I want to walk away. I choose to accept you as the King, as the cornerstone in my life. If that's you, just as we sing this song, I'm going to ask you to come out and meet me at the front here because I would love to pray with you. I would love to give you a Bible. would love to just hear where you're at. would love to do some follow-up to say, you know what, we will stand beside you. So just as we sing, if that's you, just join me at the front. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you for listening. If this message has impacted you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us at c3h.life.